You're listening to the Della Darling Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Dara. We're taking Dara's love of telling people's stories, Emily's love of attending events, and our mutual love of the first date, and highlighting the best people to meet, places to go, and things to do that Delaware has to offer. Hello everyone. I'm so excited for this episode. I think our guest this episode has been kind of a long time coming. It's somebody we've worked with on various things over the last year and a half since we started and he's been such a big supporter of the podcast. Yes, and it's also someone that I feel like we know and we don't know. Um, that a lot of the times when we see him, he's running around, running from event to event. Uh, so it'll be nice. As to, are we. As are we. Um, it'll be nice to actually sit down together. Yes. But before we get to our guest, I wanted to catch up. And the first thing I want to know, Dara, last we talked, you were going to get your holiday hair. Did it happen? I sure did. I got my haircut um, for our listeners who didn't catch up on our last episode. Um, I get my haircut about twice a year. And at one point, I was getting it cut in the holidays. And my hairdresser was like, oh, you're here for your holiday hair. Um, and of course, it's very popular to get get your due for the season and all the holiday parties. In fact, I once wrote an article for the News Journal, and I interviewed people as they were getting their holiday hair done at a longtime Delaware salon. Um, but uh, my my stylist did agree that it was time for me to clean up my ends, and things are looking much better now. I'm glad to hear it. Um, I did not get my holiday hair. I mostly just ate food. And drank beverages. That's fine. Also, I'm pretty sure every time I ask what you're doing or I see your stories on Instagram, you're just at Blitzen. Um, I am not just at Blitzen. I have been there twice. I am also going there this week. And I assume we're also going sometime later in December when perhaps we are all in Delaware for a few days leading up to the holidays, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, so I had a really fun night, um, Friday of Thanksgiving weekend was actually our high school 10 year reunion. So, um, of the two of us and our two girlfriends who were really close with, I was the only one attending, which put a damper on my spirit, I'll say. So I actually, um, ended up hanging out with my cousins that night. We went over to Blitzen for a drink and all the photo ops. And then stopped at Deco, had some pizza and Prosecco at the bar, and then went over to Logan House for our reunion. I stayed there for a little while, caught up with a few people. Um, and then we headed over to Crowbar right next door, which was the first time I'd been there since they opened, because you know they're new. And we had these really, really delicious um, like lemon Saint Germain Prosecco drinks. Like it was like, I don't know, it was like a fancy lemonade. It really, really hit the spot. I'm all about the Prosecco at the holidays. And it's been a while, but we are enjoying some wine tonight. We are. We're drinking a great bottle of Cranberry Cranseco <laughs> from Trader Joe's, which you cannot get in Delaware. It's such a travesty because um, grocery stores in Delaware can't sell alcohol. So my brother lives in Virginia. And so whenever he comes home at Thanksgiving, he always brings me a case of Cran Secco so that I have it for like mimosa bars over the holidays, gifts for friends, coworkers, like holiday parties. Um, tasty, well-priced. And um, because you can't get it here, I think people have never heard of it. And it's always a hit. It seems really fancy. It's very special to have. 
Um, and of course, I'm looking forward. I still haven't been to Blitzen yet, but I'm looking forward to going. Um, and I mentioned to you that I actually have a holiday party coming up at Klondike Kate's in the next couple mm -hmm. weeks. And they just came out with... It's not their so own holiday, up. their own holiday experience. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it because it's not a pop up in the way that Blitzen is a pop up, but they've gone all out on the decorating in, a, in an area of the, the bar. Yeah, I um, ran into another um, woman I met at the Delaware Female Creatives Happy Hour. I ran into her the other night and um, then a few nights later when I was at Blitzen, she was actually at Klondike Kate's. And so she texted me and was like, oh my gosh, we're, cause we had run into Blitzen, run into each other at Blitzen earlier in the month. And so it just seems to be a thing that she and I are always the same places or at least type of places. And so um, I was glad to get the report from her about Kate's. Yeah. So I was traveling for the holidays. So unfortunately I wasn't spending a lot of time in Delaware, but no matter where I went, everyone seemed to be talking about the Irishman which of course is now on Netflix, um, starring Robert De Niro, and is based on a book that is by a Wilmington author. Yes. Um, so that, that came out over Thanksgiving on Netflix, and uh, some people didn't realize that it was quite so long. It's almost four hours. I heard it's worth every minute. I'm going to have to set aside some time to watch, or I'm going to be looking out for an article that tells me, like, how to watch an hour this night and then an hour this yeah, next night. I definitely um, need that. My my happy hour schedule is just very full as of late. As we know. And so um, I don't have capacity for more than about half a Hallmark movie each night. <laughs> so I would definitely need to split it over um, several days. Well, this weekend I will be Christmas tree decorating um, with my family, so hopefully I will be living a Hallmark movie instead of just watching it. Same here. I have a holiday luncheon, a holiday party, um, and then we have a holiday dinner the next week, so we're definitely getting into the spirit. And so the one of the stories that we have in this podcast, um, News Roundup, sounds like it could have been the plot of a holiday movie. You know we love a holiday movie. Especially with a baking contest. Set in Delaware. We, we just love it. So um, I think it was last year, um, Michelle Mitchell, who's the former pastry chef for the Hotel DuPont, um, she competed in um, Hagley Museum, put on a gingerbread um, competition. And so Hallmark. So Hallmark. But she, she is a, a professional pastry chef, um, and she didn't realize that it wasn't a professional competition. Um, so she said she felt a little bad um, when she realized she had brought her offering um, to the competition for all these gingerbread houses, and hers was perhaps a little bit bigger or nicer or just different. More, more elaborate. More elaborate. That's a good way to put it. Um, but this year, Hagley invited her back to sort of be part of the competition. Um, she created something that will just be on display. So there will still be the competition um, that's know. also very Hallmark. They, you know, they could give away like an internship kind of thing with her. That would be like a good prize for the winner. They don't have to, but I'm just suggesting if they wanted to Hallmark it up. Yes. And it has a nice name. So it's Christmas trees past and present is the theme. Um, and so she just had to pick something that would tie into that theme and have some sort of callback to um, the DuPont history. So she made a replica of Leslie Manor in Old Newcastle, which I'm not familiar with, but now at least I can become familiar with the gingerbread version of it. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. You know, I just love a good holiday event. 
Um, it sounds like this is a great one at one of our favorite venues and using, you know, local people and giving amateurs a chance to show off their chops, which we love. And there is another um, competition actually going on right now as well that we're pretty excited about. Me, probably a little more than Dara. Um, the whole the whole wheat allergy thing gets in the way for her. But there is going to be a competition at Iron Hill. Yes, I don't know. Are you going to uh, submit an entry for this? Um, no, I do not homebrew. I have learned that's probably not um, something I need to get into. I have enough beer in the fridge that I don't make it through. Um, but I definitely can think of a few people I know who should enter. Yeah, so if you're listening, um, homebrewers can submit their best recipes for consideration for Iron Hill's Brew with a Legend competition. Um, the submission period is open December 26th through January 8th, so you have a little bit of time. Um, and the final winners um, will join, and they'll they'll put they'll brew their recipes at Iron Hill, um, and and put you on tap. Yeah. So you submit your recipe between December 26th and January 8th. Judging takes place on the 11th, and there is a final round of judging on the 18th. Um, and there is a cash, well, a monetary prize, a $500 Iron Hill gift card, and you will receive a sixtel of the beer, which I don't know how much that is. I, yeah. Is that a fancy word for six pack? I imagine it's like a lot. It's one sixth of a keg. Okay. So that seems like more than a six pack. This is not my repertoire. But I honestly have no idea how many beers would fit into one keg. So more than more than 36, I would think. 144 beers in a keg. Our guest is motioning at us. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say you're winning like a lot of beer that you made the recipe for. So that's exciting um, for all of our beer enthusiasts. Shockingly, we have a lot of beer enthusiasts. We do. Our I think our beer episode remains one of our most popular episodes. It has been surpassed by the Delaware Apparel episode, which um, is one of my favorites. Anytime I hear a clip from it, like I just start laughing out loud because we had such a fun evening with them. Um, but, and actually we recorded that episode during the Mill Summit. We did. Now seems like the perfect time to bring in our guests. Yes. So we are busy beavers and August was definitely a busy time for us. That's why you only got one episode in August. Um, so we had the guys from Delaware Apparel came on, Jake and Pearson, and they were awesome. And they were so kind because they came and joined us after the second day of the Mill Summit. We recorded that night. Um, but we have the founder, originator, visionary behind the Mill Summit and so many other great Delaware organizations, events, um, man about town, Charlie Vincent. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, so welcome, Charlie. Um, how would you, you do so much, as Emily said, how would you introduce yourself? Uh, nowadays, I typically just say, um, if you've heard of the Mill Summit, uh, you might have heard of me, and I have a small role in helping plan and organize that. Yes. So we do have a bio. I don't know if Dara put it together or found it on the website. It, it might sound eerily similar to your LinkedIn bio. Oh, that seems like a good place to start. Yeah. So Charlie is the executive director for Spur Impact, which is a Delaware nonprofit with a mission to connect and inspire young professionals to make an impact in their career and community, which is not so different than our goals, um, which is why we have been such great supporters and partners with each other over the last, I guess, almost two years at this point. 
Um, in his capacity as ED, Charlie manages a large team of volunteers and together with the Spur Impact Board of Directors leads the efforts for various Spur Impact initiatives and events like the Mill Summit Leadership Conference and the Delaware Charity Challenge Fundraising Competition, which has many events over the course of the year. Many events, yeah. And also for some background, um, you are an attorney by trade. Yeah. yeah. So um, in doing a little research about you beforehand, I was curious to see, and again, I, I think I found this on your LinkedIn, um, but you listed your, your various schools and alma maters. And so I don't, are you a Delaware native? Yeah, I grew up in Harrington, so Kent County. You are. Oh, so, see, we, okay. tricky. Slower, tricky. lower. I fool every, I'm, I'm the redheaded <laughs> stepchild of two counties now. Okay. So what brought you to the northern part of the state? And then I guess... One question I wanted to ask you, and I guess now we might know part of the answer, is like what has inspired you to be so active in your home state? Yeah, I mean, so growing up, I, I went to Lake Forest High School, which is a small public school in Kent County, and I did sports there. I was I was involved in a lot of different student groups, and um, went on to college in Pennsylvania. I went to Franklin and Marshall in Lancaster. And I worked there for a few years, and then the Siren Call of Delaware brought me back. And uh, went to law school at Widener in Wilmington. Uh, after law school, took a clerkship down in Dover, and then came back up to Wilmington to work. So work ultimately brought me back to to live in live in Wilmington, which is where I live now. Is that what you expected would happen with your career? Uh, in the law side of things, Delaware corporate law is, is sort of leading in the country, so a lot of Delaware attorneys who want to do corporate law wind up practicing here in New York. And then in terms of, for me, I was from Delaware, um, so that brought me back. And then certainly it helps uh, being local because everybody, you know, the first thing in Delaware people ask you is what high school did you go to? And then when they find out that you go to a non-Wilmington <laughs> high school, they could they sort of think, okay, he's from slower lower and it throws people off. I um I have a coworker who went to Dover High, and so of course, like I'm always like, where did you go to high school? And he's like, we ask where you're from, and then if you're from Dover, where? But your only options are Caesar, Rodney, or, or Dover, Dover. Yep. you know. So I definitely hear that, and he's always confused when I'm like, oh well, this high school and that high school, and um up here it's crazy. We have so many schools. One of my college roommates was from Pittsburgh, and then another one of my friends was from Pittsburgh, and I was like, oh, did you when we were freshmen? I, I asked him, I said, oh, did your guys' high schools play each other? And he's like, I've never even heard of your high school, that high school. Like, it's <laughs> I'm like, we know suburb. all of them. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah People they couldn't be aggressive it. about it. I was surprised because after college, I was living in Delaware, but I was working in Maryland. So no one ever asked me what high school I went to. And so then, like, five or so years later, I started getting it all the time. And I'm like wow, this is a lot. I, I was not expecting this. Intensity. It, yeah, it is It is crazy. People feel really passionately about it. It's a, it's a quirky Delaware thing. And then, uh, and then whether you're here or not, or went to high school here or not, once you get, get past that question, the next thing they ask is, what do you do? Where do you work? And that sort of... And then, stamp. of course, you have to go through the list of all oh, the mutual yeah. people you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I never know any of the people. They always drop names. I'm like, no, I don't know them. I almost always know the people. You can always deflect the sports or TV. Like, yes. It's a great equalizer. Yes. So um, how long has Spur Impact been around? So we've been a nonprofit. We formed it in January 2018. So it's it's only a couple years oh, old. Oh, so you're, the, I was going to say you're barely newer than, or older than us. Yeah, the... 
the initiative, some of them are older than that, um, in part, because once the Mill Summit really took off, it made more sense to put everything under a nonprofit umbrella. So some of the original uh, Mill Summit planning committee members and, and others who were involved in other uh, projects that we work on sort of came together and said, let's form a board. And, and typically, I'm very anti-nonprofit in terms of starting a new one. I, I'm a big fan of collaboration, and, and you shouldn't reinvent the wheel. And Dara yeah. and I often discuss, like, we're definitely fans of people who see a need for something, and they just decide they're going to be the ones to start it. Obviously, we have this podcast. Um, but there are also so many times where there's an organization doing something similar that you can help with, um, and you can help them to grow that that work. So we're also fans of contributing to the organizations that already exist. So I love to hear that. Yeah. So I'm, so a lot of the stuff we do is trying to be additive to the existing infrastructure. I think when, when we sat down and kind of were looking at what we were doing with Mill Summit and the Cherry Challenge and some of these other initiatives we worked on, there's not really a, it doesn't neatly fit into anybody else's model so much. And really no group other than us is really almost exclusively focused on young professional development and engagement. So it, it's sort of, led us to basically say, well, the only option is to sort of create something new and then, you know, hopefully people recognize we're, we're still trying to be additive and not... Yeah, so Spur Impact helps a lot of organizations, but sort of the two things you guys are known for, we discussed the Mill Summit a little bit, but the other is the Delaware Charity Challenge. And so listeners may remember Dara and I have done the Delaware Charity Challenge the last two years. Um, we participated in the indoor triathlon, which of course then people look at me and they say like an indoor triathlon. And um, I'm disappointed there's no actual swimming because I was I was always a swimmer growing up all the way through high school. But um, we have 15 minutes on a rowing machine, which is provided by the men's crew team at UD, right? They, yep. they participate and raise money for their organization, but also support the event happening. Um, 15 minutes on a treadmill to do the running portion, and then 15 minutes on a stationary bike. And then the leaderboard is made up of your total distance. Correct. So and you have all different categories. You can do it as a single person. You can do it as a trio where you each do one of the activities. You can all do all of the activities. Um, and this year we convinced my mom to participate, which was fun. I was proud of her that she finished, yeah. right? So um, I think it's a fun event for everyone and pretty much everybody can make it 15 minutes on each machine oh, without yeah. dying. We, we've had as young as I think six or seven and as old as 79 or 80. It's, it's, uh, we have the full age spectrum and then... Uh, that's a lot of fun. But yeah. yeah. And then with that, um, so the premise of the Delaware Charity Challenge is that you kind of provide the forum and the organizations bring people and start working on fundraising. But what I love about it is an organization that only has like three employees for their nonprofit, they do not have time to organize a 5K, put together sponsorships, all of these other pieces. And so it's really great for those smaller nonprofits for raising money because the infrastructure is there. They just have to advertise it to their, um, you know, funders and supporters. And so I just, I've, I've, we, per, we participated raising money for two very small nonprofits in Delaware, and I like to think it was, you know, appreciated. We made a little difference. So one thing that I wanted to ask you, Charlie, is that we do see you literally running around scurrying between events and different stations um while like sometimes you know we're the participants at them how do you think you would have done if you were a racer rower biker in the charity challenge so i did participate the very first year before all anybody else so i was the official record holder for a mm -hmm. half a day we missed that the, one uh, yeah 
uh, me and I, my other, one of my friends were there that night after the equipment was loaded in, and we said, well, let's, everybody's going to do this tomorrow. We may as well see if we can actually do, you know, put our walk the walk here. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I'm retired now. I don't compete competitively in any way anymore. I, I, as my, my high school coach said, he said you know, I, the time, that time's passed. And so now I, I still live vicariously through the events themselves. So we have the, the indoor triathlon in January. Uh, we put together a spring uh, 5K and adventure race in May. and then Which the, the adventure race, you can get a team of minimum of two people. I think one year you had an opening slot and it um, always falls right around my brother's birthday. And that year he turned 30. And finally, on Cinco de Mayo, let me throw him a taco party. He always told me that was ridiculous, but I have been <laughs> desperate for 30 years to do this. Um, and so I couldn't make it. But that one, it's a minimum of two people, and there are all these different parts to it, right? You, there's a canoe part or kayak maybe. There's a biking part. There's a running part. So no matter who you are, there's probably, like, something you can do on your team. Yeah, the, the adventure race is fun because it's got uh, two or three athletic components to it and then other sort of kid games. So we did, like, a hula hoop challenge, a, like, not a sort of a tic-tac-toe relay race and then some puzzles like actual physical jigsaw puzzles that the team has to put together and under time I love puzzles. and so it gave something for everybody to participate you guys in. for any of our listeners who watch the challenge on mtv it sounds like it's just like that you have some endurance running there are puzzles to solve there's strength there's ugh, the competition i was a big fan of survivor when it first came yeah. out so a lot it's of it was like sort survivor. of like how can i yeah. bring survivor to delaware but we don't have mountains or anything like that. So. And you did that because one of the speakers at this past year's Mill Summit was a former contestant on Survivor, he was. right? He was. So who who was that, and were you the one who pitched him? Uh, his So that speaker, his name is Rich Keller. He's a motivational speaker out of New Jersey now, and, and I met him through an event. Uh, one of our counterpart organizations in, in New York puts together a similar conference. Um called the Next Gen Summit. They hold it in, in June every year. It's an entrepreneurship-focused um, event. And so Rich Keller, I met him there and then had some common friends that we knew and, and brought, wound up bringing him down here in August, and he loved it. And he's uh, he certainly has been open to the Mill Summit Network and talked about his survivor. He, he's actually a cancer survivor, and that sort of played into into the survivor. Um, he was on the show as well. And then, uh, but yeah, he's, he's uh, high... I can run that back. <laughs> the I haven't. I don't remember all of the stuff about him, but uh, but overall, Rich Keller is um, super engaging, highly motivated. You know, cancer survivor, TV show survivor, survivor, and uh, you know, was a, a great uh, speaker at the Mill Summit this past year. Yeah, and that's just an example of some of the range of speakers that you have, um, like people from. The local area that we managed to meet up with our friend Samantha Styled, um, who we had on the blog on the, the podcast talking about her blog. Um, but then she was on a panel um, with people who weren't Delawareans talking about uh, kind of like their entrepreneurial sides, or I think it was officially had something to do with the, the, side gig, the gig economy. The gig yeah, economy. So everybody yeah. who's sort of side hustling. And then um, I also attended a panel, and it was sort of um, marketing the arts. So the world has changed so much in you know the last 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And so um, that was really great. And we had, I believe her name's Ashley Davis. Mm -hmm. Ashley, yeah. I actually, that was one of my favorite panels from this past Mill Summit. I don't know if it was just because I have this interest in the arts, but 
Um, I remember some of the the things that she said, Ashley S.K. Davis of the Mm -hmm. Christina Cultural Arts Center, Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of related to it as someone who also does freelancing, and you got to pick and choose your battles sometimes. Yes, and um, definitely with the podcast, I could see it, because she's saying, like, I wanted to do this thing, and so I had to figure out how to make the flyers, and I had to do graphic design, and we do everything in-house. I mean... We, the first episode we recorded, we didn't really know how it was going to turn out. We just kind of downloaded free software and hit record and then posted it. It took us a long time to edit. We do not edit that heavily <laughs> now. Um, and so it was, it was, it made me feel a lot better that I'm not crazy for just going, well, I'll figure it out. There's YouTube or some blogger who's written how to do this thing. And there always is. Mm-hmm. It's probably a 10 year old. <laughs> it always is. <laughs> I had to watch some YouTube videos with an eight-year-old child over the Thanksgiving break. So, yes, I can assure you it, it probably was. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to pick up on something, Charlie, that you mentioned. So you were talking about another conference and you next-gen. And then you've also talked about, um, you know, young people, youth, millennial. What do you think of the term millennial? I, I actually think you're it's... Not. I am an exennial, technically. Okay. The, uh, You're right in that. I'm in the middle, so I remember pre-internet, the when I first got a computer, and then you know AOL and some messenger and all the stuff that everybody takes for granted. Us now. too. The uh, so so yeah, I just turned forty this past May, so I'm like over the hill, I guess. But the I don't think. But yeah, I think. Hill. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so either. And I'm going to live to be like 110 probably. But yeah. I think uh, the best I've heard it as to what a millennial is is I heard it from a boomer. I don't know how old she was, but she said, "Oh, I used to be a millennial, but now I'm a senior citizen." And so I think in my mind, millennials really become sort of just a, like another word for like young professional. I don't think people really take it uh, as a as far as a generational thing. I have heard a lot of there is a lot of ageism and put downs that are associated with it that do create different, you know, workplace dynamics. But I think generally speaking, in my mind, millennials, you know, somebody, you know, 25 to 40, you know, I don't think the technical, I think the technical range is different than that, but. It's pretty close. Um, I know those who are graduating college in the last year and coming up are in that. Gen Z. Gen Z. I don't know if they have their name yet. I have taken to calling them the Tide Pod generation. I've heard that as well. You know, uh, they might not like that. I think people in their 20s, and I remember, because I wasn't in my 20s too long ago, and and I remember wanting to get involved and and people saying, you have to wait your turn, basically. And and I'm like, why do I have to wait my turn? This is crap, you know? So the, you know, and I think Del Johnson, who was one of the keynotes this past year uh, at the Mill Summit, he said, you know, if there's not room at the table for you, just build another table. And that's is effectively how, how we've developed a lot of these things, uh, particularly the Mill Summit, because uh, the thought was there's a lot of young professional groups in Delaware looking to get, you know, grow their membership, get more uh, people involved, and and yet the individual marketing efforts of these groups is sort of a function of how large, how many people are sitting around their executive team, really. And so when we came together, you know, almost four years ago now, the the idea was every one of these groups could use the Mill Summit as a way to promote what they're doing beyond the day. So a lot of the young professional organizations, you mentioned Samantha Siles, I think she's the incoming president for Next Gen South. So that's yes. sort of uh, one of the groups that we work with in, in Kent and Sussex County. And so we try and leverage the Mill Summit as a way to get them more 
raise more awareness for what they're doing throughout the year and get more people involved because in the end of the day it's a one or two day event and eight hours and you're only going to be able to get so much done so if you're able to connect with some other person while you're there or some hear about some other group that gives you a way to get involved beyond the day i think that that's really been my goal for this is to really get people plugged into the community and activated beyond the day like we can bring everybody together under one roof and and you know, you put a thousand type A's around the table, people, things get done, you know, and there's a lot of business cards that get exchanged. But, but beyond the day itself, there's a lot more people that I've, I've heard about and talked to that are, you know, getting involved with Junior Achievement of Delaware or Next Gen South or Metropolitan Urban League or, or any number of other groups that are trying to work with young professionals on, in different ways. And, and if we can get them plugged in and connected, that's, that's a win. Mm -hmm. And I think um, definitely since Emily and I participated the first time two summers ago now, and then have sort of kept in touch with you throughout the year. Like we see some of the messages floating around of the meetings and, and like the long-term planning that goes into it. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how you select some of the people to come onto the Mill Summit? And um, you know that there really is, it's more than just you deciding who is coming to Wilmington to give these motivational and um, expert advice kind of talks. Yeah. Uh... We have a planning committee of probably close to 100 people. Uh, it varies from year to year. Uh, some people stay on for a year. Some people have stayed on for three years and, and sort of become chairs of, of the different committees we have set up. Everything at, at for the Mill Summit is really run by a committee. So each committee is sort of tasked to three or four parts of the day. And there's probably, you know, I'd say 16 to 20, but it's probably more than that. Um, and they work on selecting the speakers, they work on selecting the topics, wordsmithing how they're described, what the goals are. So, so one of the, the plans for this year, the, the theme which we announced um, recently is, is going to be our vision is 2020. So that'll be the theme for the whole conference in, in, in August. Uh, it'll be a day and a half this year, August 3rd and 4th, Monday and Tuesday. And the, right now, the different tracks are focused on what their individual topic is going to be and, and the marching order that we've really set from the executive team level, which, which really the same people around the table, uh, is what is a tactical takeaway that the audience members can get from that panel, from that speaker, that they can use the next day. So a lot of times when we're dealing with the speakers, they're like, well, what would you like us to talk about? I can talk about you know, 10 different things. And, you know, depending on what the topic is, we, we can direct them. But this year, we're really focusing on uh, quality over quantity and then really making sure that, you know, depending on which panel you go to, you're going to know exactly what your takeaway should be from that and ways that you can use that, you know, in the days to follow. Is there something that you've heard at the Mill Summit that has been advice that stuck with you? Like something surprising you weren't expecting to get as a takeaway? Yeah. So, so for me, I've had to, I've put this thing together for three or four years now, and I've never actually seen any of it. I'm always running around. That is. But that I get is to the see curse the, of the organizer. Yeah, I get to see. I get to listen to the keynote. Uh, certainly, there's there are nuggets of information that they they've given. I think what if there's a recurring theme I've heard from the keynotes over the last three years, it's really about taking advantage of opportunities as you get them. The different speakers say that in different ways, but I think the my takeaway from a lot of the speakers is taking advantage. You never know, somebody you might talk to, might have a friend or need something, or 
You know, it's really about sort of paying it forward to some degree, using your network, uh, helping your friends, and, and really developing whether it's personally or professionally. So, so that so in, in short, the short of it is my takeaway would be that, uh, it, you know, take advantage of the opportunity. There, there was a really good quote that the ambassador said the first year, which, which now really escapes me, and I'm embarrassed that I can't remember it now, but. Uh, you know, there, there are certainly a lot of one-liners that have been memorable, but, you know. Yeah, I remember, I think, so Ketchy was the headliner this past year, and I think Emily and I, we weren't standing next to each other. We might have even been on different sides of the auditorium. Um, but, of course, she has an inspirational story of um, surviving a, a plane crash um, and coming out with third-degree burns all over her body. Um, and then, but then some people might know her from competing on America's Got Talent um, as a singer. So she she both gave an inspirational talk and then sang a song for us. And Emily and I, without talking with each other, I think we both wrote down the same piece of advice that she shared with us. Yes, and I very quickly pulled it right up on Twitter. <laughs> and um, she said, I'd rather be afraid while doing something than be afraid of doing it. Yeah, Ketchy was great, and, and she's been a real supporter of the Mill Summit, and certainly we're, you know, supporting her beyond the Mill Summit, and would love to be able to bring her back to Delaware. She's wonderful. So, and, and the really neat thing is uh, she's taken her experience as a, as a plane crash survivor and burn victim and really channeled that toward uh, advocacy, particularly of burn victims. And so I think she's an ambassador for... Uh, the Shriners Children Burn Hospital Burn Victims Unit, or uh, I'm blotching the name, but the, you know, she so she works a lot with uh, young children who are burn victims themselves, and and really, I think she said this in her in her keynote that she really wants to other burn victims to realize they're not they're not alone, or there's others who have survived this, and, and gives them hope. So I think mm -hmm. that's that was another uh, you know that was another thing I took from her her remarks. Um, so we've talked a lot about the Mill Summit, but one thing that I wanted to ask you is what are you doing when you're not running these events? Like, what are, like, do you have downtime? <laughs> well, I have two kids, so I'm like, I have so a no, lot of, So no, you don't you have, know, downtime. Don't have downtime. Okay, so you have two kids. How old are they? Five and three. Oh, yeah, and you don't have time. Yeah, okay. we're just hanging out the Christmas tree decorations over the weekend, and it's fun because now you get to sort of experience they're like the holidays people. all over again. Oh, yeah, they're, they're five and three going on, you know, 18 and 15, I think. So it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's fun now. So, and, and it is kind of neat getting to see things through their eyes. I, I have a, you were talking about being in the twenties, but you know, you don't have an appreciation when, you know, in your twenties when I, I had people I'd work with who were like, oh, I got to get home to my kids or all this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You should be working, you know. And I have to get home to the interns. <laughs> the interns are important too. The, uh, yeah. So, but it's fun. And then, um, uh, but yeah, if you, our development uh, director, uh, Sarah Fulton, she says I never would stop working. So She know. doesn't either, from what I hear. She, she's a hard worker. I, um, yeah. Samantha Hemphill, who we've spoken about earlier, she's the behind Samantha Styled. So she knew Sarah through um, their government work. Mm -hmm. um, and so when she heard Sarah was going to be involved with Spur Impact and everything, she was thrilled. And I actually, it was around this time last year, I ran into you. Um, and you told me you had gotten a grant and you were going to be able to hire somebody so that it wasn't just you anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's how you got Sarah. So tell us how, like, how did you realize you were at the point where you are not enough 
which is, you're enough in all aspects of your life, Charlie, <laughs> but maybe like you need help sometimes. Um, and how, like, how did it come about being able to hire somebody, finding Sarah and, and I'm sure that's worked out beautifully. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, running a nonprofit's not like any other business. You got to pay the bills. You got to, mm-hmm. you know, you know, make sure. Well, I learned from Ashley SK Davis, nonprofits, the goal of a nonprofit is not to not make money. It's just to take the money and, and put it back into the community. Yeah. So that's, I learned that. I didn't know that before, yeah. which sounds really silly, but I didn't know that. Well, there's a lot of, I, I have come across over over the last few years, there, there's certainly a lot of nonprofits that get started. I, I think it's a business like anything else. I have spoken to several people who are like, oh, I'm a nonprofit, people give me money. And I'm like, well, that's not a business plan. <laughs> people will not give you money because you're a nonprofit. You have to show some value and, you know, pr- right. You have to provide value and, to the community. Yeah. So I think when, in our case, after the first mill summit, I, I, it was very rewarding to see, you know, 300 people around the room all there for a common purpose. And, and there was just an energy in that room that has since really, you know, led really to spur impact and, and the second mill summit and third mill summit, fourth mill summit, and so forth and so on. But the, um, I, I think when the mill summit really has succeeded is sort of indicated that I think we're really on to something here. And a lot of the other projects that we've done have had, have had, have enjoyed good success as well. And, and certainly the charity challenges raised a lot of money. I think the, the one, one thing I'll mention that we're, we're planning for March, and this is really a, a big deal event that we'll, we'll make a big announcement about this, um, this month and probably within a couple of days, but, uh, we've partnered with United Way of Delaware and several other nonprofit organizations up and down the state on, uh, on a statewide giving day. It'll be called do more 24, uh, it'll be held March 5th, 6th. It'll be a 24-hour day of giving. Um, we'll be using our, our Spur Impact uh, giving, Delaware Giving platform, which we, we've been building for the last better half of a year. We're actually using that platform right now for the Indoor Charity Challenge event, and, and it'll be great, and we hope a lot of nonprofits will participate. We've got a $25,000 grant from Welfare Foundation that we are giving away to the participating nonprofits to incentivize in more fundraising from them, and our hope is we got a lot of nonprofits not only participating, a lot of supporters of nonprofits, you know, donating and, and really create a fear of missing out that just hasn't really taken place with, with this type of giving day here in Delaware. So the hope is that the Do More 24 event, which will be March 5th, 6th, 2020. Is that um, like a noon to noon? I don't know if we got the time nailed down quite yet, but it'll be a 24-hour day. Okay. And I just, then, you were saying it's over two days, so I was like, it's probably like yeah, a midday like, to midday. It could be midday to midday. It could be like six to six, you gotcha. know, something like that. And then with the idea that after it's over, there could be a big happy hour, a little party, mm-hmm. and then, you know, there'll be a big check ceremony or something maybe a few weeks later and, and really, you know, celebrate philanthropy in a, in a new way and really empower the next generation of donors to... You know, show their support to nonprofits. So you'll be hearing a lot more about that. You won't be able to miss it come March. I can guarantee you that. I'm sure every nonprofit is super excited to have a coordinated giving day. So one thing that I want to bring up for for Emily's benefit is that I did see that you and your team, we were talking about Sarah just now, managed to check out Blitzen in Wilmington. Yeah, uh, yeah. Apparently, I go there all the time, says Dara. I have been there twice, everyone. I'm just I do jealous. see the updates on Instagram <laughs> since I follow the at Della Della. Follow us, yes. Well, yeah. it's very grandable. Yeah. 
It's very grammable. It is. They, so. uh, yeah, and Dallas Shaw, who, who is a local designer and illustrator. who Dallas, we're trying to get you on the podcast. We're not subtle. <laughs> the, I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Talk to her. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, but she's great. And then her and Robert Herrera, who's, who's been a big supporter of, of the Mill Summit as well. And they put together a pop-up Christmas bar called Blitzen. So, it's yeah, we've been there. It's fun. It's only it open fun. for another month, I think. So, yeah, yeah it says through out. January, but there's not. I assume that meant we're going to do something on New Year's Eve. But after that, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. They haven't really announced, like, a final day. Well, that, that's what makes it fun. So you don't be know. There so, guys, you better go now. Yeah. I have to go. Um, but, yeah, they actually we haven't really... We've said we went to Blitzen. It's very festive, but they have really fun drinks. Mm -hmm. So there's a bourbon-based drink that is very, very strong called uh, Santa's Cough Medicine or Santa's Cough Syrup, something along those lines. Very strong. If you like bourbon, go for it. Um, I like the Resting Blitz Face, which is, I think, like a pomegranate... um, Pineapple, yeah, a pomegranate pineapple kind of pink fruity drink, which as Brian, um, the mixologist over at Tilton Mansion learned, I like a good pink fruity drink. Um, It's your signature drink. It is. He he, he made my signature drink the day (laughs) we were there, you guys. All I, I gave him like just a couple little tasting notes of what I like. And I was like, if there were a drink that was named the Emily, this is the one. Um, So he's... He's great. Definitely, when you get a chance, go check out a public event at the mansion and go check out Blitzen. It's very festive. My cousins wanted to go, so we did all of our like family, you know, family photos. And um, <laughs> I, I have not gotten deer. a photo. I have yeah. not gotten a photo with the antlers. Um, I'm sure this person's not listening. A guy I used to date. I, I was like, I'm gonna get him this time when I was there. And then right as we were like sort of ready to leave, and we're like, all right, we're just gonna go say excuse me, get the photos, and get out of here. A guy I used to date was standing in front of them. And I was, was like, he taking a photo or was he just blocking No, he was just blocking it. Uh, and I was like, yeah, we're not. Intentionally or not? No, I don't think. Not because he thought I was going to be trying to get the ambulance. It's just where he happened to be standing. And it I was, was like, his long con. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we don't. We don't need a photo. It all that came down way. to that day. <laughs> I know. I'm like, next time. I'll get the photo next time. So, I don't know if you've ever been to Crazy Cats. That's uh, mm-hmm. Over have, at Mont Shannon. They have Shannon. all the cat pictures and stuff and this is i i understand the theme but i personally find the cat paintings a little creepy you have a cat now though yeah but i told you i don't like cats i just like my cat touche okay so would not like my cat what have you noticed about mont shannon and the and the crazy cats. Oh, the crazy cats? I, I was just saying. I mean, they are meant it's, to be it's crazy cats. Grammable, just like Blitzen, because oh, yeah. they have these creepy cat. They yeah, have, yeah. And one of them, I, the only one I've got my picture in front of, is this cat, like General. And Because you know, they're all, like, dressed up. They they're all, all dressed like, different up. Personas. It's a very cat motif. Actually, yeah. I think when the Winter Olympics were happening, or shortly thereafter, and the News Journal wrote about Johnny Weir, mm-hmm. I think that he mentioned he enjoys feeling. Um, you know who I think would enjoy Crazy Cats is you because they have a fireplace. I do like anywhere with a fireplace. Yeah. It it is a great like restaurant. It's it's on the higher end of the 
of the spectrum, but it's... Uh, yes, it is very, very fancy, but it's really fun for like a nice date night or if you're celebrating something and you can, you know, get a little bit dressed up and go somewhere kind of kind of fancy and cozy and yeah. feel like you're like a DuPont, oh, you yeah. know. And you can always <laughs> check it out during like the restaurant week or the... That, yes! That, that's the time to go because oh you get gosh. to... You're such a great guest. We love... <laughs> I love to talk about restaurant week. Yeah. You got... Okay, what's your favorite like restaurant week hotspot? Oh, I mean, that's when we'll go to Crazy Cats or... Uh, Domain. Domain. And yeah, stuff like I always that. like to go to Domain during Restaurant Week. So we, we, the nice thing with Restaurant Week, if you can plan ahead and you don't have to plan too far ahead, is if you're bringing with a group of like eight or nine or ten people, they'll give you the private room and you just have to request it. They so do. It's, it's, they uh, do. I've done that because um, my office was small. It turns out we're not anymore. I've recently learned. Um, and so it was nice because, you you know, you'd be like, oh, we have like 20 people in the office. Half of them are going to be able to make it to a lunch on any given day. And so we would go as an office. And so, yes, a lot of times we had private, we've had private rooms at Tonic. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been downstairs at Chelsea. And I'm like, we didn't even have that big of a group. But, yeah. you know, they had enough people that we ended up downstairs. Oh, yeah. So. I keep waiting for some of these, uh, some of these, uh, Former banks or, or current banks, even the, they all have safes in their basement, right? Because that used to be where the vault is. And, and in New York, a lot of those have been converted to wine bars. And I've talked to people around here. Yeah. The problem is it's very expensive. It's it's not easily you know. Yes. There's a reason they've been they're in the basement. So it's um, logistically yes. it's not as easy. It's easier said than done. But I think it would be cool if there was a a uh, you know an actual bar that was in a vault. And the other thing I think that I would love to see in Wellington, and I keep saying this to everybody, you know, in the event that somebody in the ether will hear this and say, that's a good well, now idea. Now it's going to be on the podcast. It'll be on the podcast. We're telling so, everyone. I, I think what Wellington, Wolfington is missing a few things, but I think in terms of entertainment, a dueling piano bar would do very well in Wellington. <laughs> okay. Well, you know Arion Harley, Emerson. Mm-hmm. So he's the director of the choir school. We had him on actually, again, this time last year mm-hmm. because he is um, a musician, a choral director by trade. And so he's the perfect kind of person to have at Christmas. He also has a lot of like strange Christmas obsession. His decor choices are... Um, he had a very enjoyable, interesting story, although I don't know if you necessarily appreciated it as a homeowner, about trying to inflate a The snowman. Frosty the Snowman. It's a real problem. Thomas and I, I think, have retired the Frosty the Snowman. But um, Arion has for years thought two businesses on Market Street that would just totally kill. A piano bar and a parking lot. Parking lot or garage. And we are definitely getting like more parking lots, more garages. But the piano bar thing... And we said, like, it can even just be kind of like, I would love to see, like, Torbert Street. Maybe they do it, like, once a month. They have a piano night, and they do something like that. I think, you know, that has the right vibe, and you could probably, like, get away with it on, like, a Monday or Tuesday when you're trying to get people out. Yeah. I think it would be clever, because Opera Delaware's got a piano. If you kind of collaborate with a couple different arts groups that both have pianos and are willing to pay, because I guess when you move them, you have to tune them and all that stuff. So there's a little extra cost. But once you have it there... And you could really kind of keep it there for a while and just have this. I mean, even Blitzen has a piano. I was like, yeah, hey, that'd be pretty cool if somebody came in and just like, you know, was a piano bar person, I guess. But, a collaborative piano bar that gives back to our local arts organization. Well, that's the thing. They could be like fundraiser nights. So all be. the piano yeah. player tips, right, can yeah. go to the well, choir, go to the the choir school yeah. or yeah. Opera Delaware or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's, there's a lot of ways it could work. It just takes somebody with an idea and. You know the motivation, the, the go-to spirit. Yeah. yeah. So, unfortunately for us, that's I can't. I have a lot of ideas. I I can only kind of execute on them one by one. So that way we're not uh, 
you know, we got to make sure our ideas are viable. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to wrap up shortly, but what are your like favorite holiday places to go in Delaware? Like, are you the kind of person who goes to a specific place to buy your tree every year? Do you always get, you know, your fishes from Sansones for the seven fishes or any, anything like that? I don't do either of those things. So, yeah. so, so I, I have an artificial tree. I've had one for a long time. In fact, the tree that we have in our house, I think, was from my house like 30 years ago. So oh, wow. The, it's long We lasting. do get a live tree every so often, uh, and they're fun. I, I think in terms of our traditions, uh, at least for the last couple of years, we put up the tree after Thanksgiving. Um, I think usually, that's common for artificials. My wife's family has a tradition where they put like a pickle in a tree. I don't oh, know yeah. Mm-hmm. So the pickle I have thing. That tradition I, as well. Whoever finds the pickle, it's good luck. Get surprised. I don't know. So it, so well, I've, I've picked that one up as something. The We always got to open a present on Christmas Eve. My parents always got us, you know, stamps and floss, which I learned is not uncommon in the stocking. You know, That's, from, those are good. You know, because it's practical stuff. So they are practical. And you know what? Stamps are expensive. I went and bought stamps for my Christmas cards this year. And it was like $58. And I buy them at Costco, so they're a discount. So the funny thing is, one year, my parents didn't get us stamps. And all the kids are like, where's our stamps? And he's like, you guys can afford your own stamps. I gave you, like, money in your stocking. And we're like, no, we want the stamps. No, so, we want the stamps and the money. Yeah, so next year we got the stamps and the money. So... <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, the I like going to Longwood here and there and, and seeing that. There's certainly a lot of uh, interesting things. I've done the Santa ride on the Wilmington Western Railroad, so that's a fun... So, uh, like, you go through, you just ride the train and you get to see lights, and there's a Santa on board. There's Santa on board. So if you do it at night, you get to see the lights. If you do it during the day, you get sort of to see the day. It's, it's to see cheer. all the people staring at the train and being delighted by it. Oh, yeah. The you, Christmas Everybody cheer. waves when, mm-hmm. when you're on the train. So there's something about a train. So people many like Hallmark it. movie moments tonight. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it. I, we watched Noel on Netflix or <gasps> Disney Plus. Yes, right? I watched you know? it too. What did you think? I thought it was typical like Disney. I thought, I, I think, I like... Uh, Christmas Chronicles, I thought that was better. Mm-hmm. Noel, I was like, this is pretty pretty. Well, I yeah. learned I've been watching too many Hallmark movies because I was like, oh, this private investigator is the love interest. And they didn't get together at the end of the movie. And, you know, that's not how Hallmark movies end. Um, I, but I, I recognize they left it open to a sequel. Yeah. My wife likes, you know, like, what is it, The Christmas Prince or whatever. There's like all sorts mm-hmm. of... So she's much more into those movies than I am. Mm-hmm. She likes The Crown and all that stuff. And I, I just... You know, I'll watch my shows, which are not typically The Crown and and that. But, uh, man, other traditions, I mean, a lot of it we're just reinventing now because kids, everything's new again. So, you know, a lot of stuff we were doing when we were little, we'd just go to our grandmother's house for dinner with our family. I mean, that's usually the main tradition is just, mm-hmm. you know, have dinner with your family and catch up. Same for us. Yeah. Talking about Netflix, have you watched The Irishman? Not yet. I did, uh, my brother's seen it, a lot of my friends have seen it and said it's good. I, I did see, for three and a half hours nowadays, it's really tough to find that time. We, so we said, we need somebody to tell you, like, like... I found a just, meme that said, here's the four ways you can break it into okay, a mini we'll series. Okay, we'll have to have, we'll yeah. post it for you guys. <laughs> I, I saw somebody posted that on Facebook the other day, and they're like, here's where you can stop every 45 minutes. That's and perfect, because we said, we're only good for, like, maybe an hour a day, and then and then it's, it's just too much. We yeah, can't yeah. handle that much. Right. Yeah, so we need about five nights probably to mm-hmm. get through it. Um, so with that, we'll we'll wrap up and give listeners some of the things we are looking forward to. I think Dara and I, um, we will go first because our stuff is kind of coming up a little sooner since it's this month. Dee, you want to kick us off? 
Yeah, so I think on our last episode, we talked about VNM Bistro, um, and we are actually hoping to have them on sometime in the new year. Um, but we're, we're in talks, everyone. We're in our talks. people are talking to their people. I am our people. Their people are half of the name. Um, so I double-checked, and they are doing a Feast of the Seven Fishes. It's on December 24th. Um, so if you would like to experience uh, unique dishes um, that have to do um, with this tradition of the seven fishes on Christmas, um, you can do that on Christmas Eve at VNM Bistro, um, but you will need to RSVP ahead of time by calling the restaurant. Um, and there are also going to be amazing holiday cocktails, and from their Instagram feed, I believe that to be true. Yes, and I have been there for Valentine's Day and a few other times, um, and so they always have a really, really lovely, lovely ambiance and good food, good wine. Um, they also do wine flights there, so definitely check it out just for their sort of curated wine flights. We all, we all love, I gotta tell you, a wine flight, it's discounted, you get to try a lot of things, um, especially for wine beginners, it's a great way to try some things and see what you like. Mm-hmm. And then from the 5K front, you guys know how we love a good 5K, or at least I do. Um, the Winterfest and Reindeer Run is this Friday, December 6th, and there's going to be holiday entertainment. Um, roasting of chestnuts, which my family does, in fact, roast chestnuts. Um, so that's always something I love. They're really, really delicious for those who have never had them. There'll be caroling, tree lighting, etc. So it's going to be on the Academy Building lawn on Main Street from 6 to 8 this Friday night. And then there will be a 5K at 7 p.m. Um, so you can sort of take advantage of both all in one go. And that's a reindeer romp 5K yes. benefiting um, Special Olympics of Delaware. So if you enjoyed seeing all the turkey trot um, costumes from recent turkey trot Thanksgiving 5Ks, um, now you'll have to turn around and, and see the Rudolph, um, the running of the Rudolphs. Um, and then another interesting event that I saw coming up, um, which again, I feel like the more guests we have on, the more we know about what's going on, because then I'm signed up for all of their newsletters, and they're sort of part... If, they're my friends now. Okay, you have a newsletter problem. I do. We've discussed this a lot. Um, but also, you guys, there's so much great stuff out there, and if you sign up for the newsletters, or you follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, then you know about all the cool things, like I'm going to go do a wreath workshop at Fair Hill Nature Center. So you got to follow, you got to get the newsletters, then you know about the ticket deals, you know when tickets are going on sale, you know about the charity events. So give us what's coming up, Dee. Yes, so um, courtesy of Delaware Shakespeare's newsletter, um, they're doing a holiday open house um, over at Opera Delaware Studios where they have some of their offices. So it's next Tuesday, December 10th from 5.30 to 9 p.m. Um, and it's their seventh annual holiday party. So perhaps this is one of your traditions already. Um, so it's just like you get to meet some of the people who work behind the scenes or on stage, um, chat with them, get to know the purpose of Delaware Shakes um, and just enjoy some carols and food and drink. Um, and something I thought was really cool is that producing artistic director, David Stradley, who was a guest on the podcast back in July when they had their big um, you know, summer festival, um, he's going to do an annual reading of selections from Dylan Thomas's A Child's Christmas in Wales, um, which is really lovely to hear read. Um, I've only listened to, I think, I think I heard a YouTube version of it once. So uh, I, I feel would, like that'll have nothing on David Stradley. Yeah, I'd love to hear it in person and from David Stradley, no less. 
Yes, and for those who are always hesitant about coming into Wilmington because of parking, Opera Delaware has a parking lot and it is free. So that is not an excuse. It's easy in, easy out, even with, um, if you're wanting to bring like grandparents and such, they have an elevator and handicap parking. So I always, um, I like to take my grandmother places, but I like to make sure she can't complain about uh, how far we have to walk, which to be honest, sometimes I want to complain about how far we have to walk. So um, for those who are concerned about that, not an issue for this event. And then Charlie, you have, we talked a lot about the Mill Summit and the Delaware Charity Challenge. So you have that stuff coming up and then I'm sure you have others. Yeah, so I'd say the, the three big events we have coming up, obviously the Mill Summit's in August, uh, August 3rd and 4th. You can follow us at millsummit.com or visit the website. Uh, the first weekend in January is the Delaware Charity Challenge Winter Indoor Triathlon. That runs concurrently with the annual Pursuit of Health and Wellness um, Expo and Health Fair. That Between both events, we'll have nearly, if not more than 1,000 people there. It's the largest health fair in the state. And, and that's um, on Saturday, January 4th, and it takes place in the morning to early afternoon. Yeah, so 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. is the health fair, and the triathlon runs starting at 8 a.m., generally at the same time. So we have probably... We, the nonprofits that are participating this year, we have a bunch. Uh, certainly, University of Delaware men's crew team is coming back. Big supporters, the, they love it. Down Syndrome Association of Delaware is competing again this year. Uh, Light Up the Queen Foundation is fielding mm -hmm. a team. Uh, Kirkwood Fitness is putting out a team, raising money for attack addiction. So certainly it's open whether you raise money or not, but a lot of new people uh, do choose to raise money as well. And that's the first weekend in January. And then Delaware Gives Day or do more 24 will be in uh, March. March 5th, 6th, so stay tuned. And Charlie, you were just telling us off air about an event in Newcastle. Yeah, the George Reed House and Gardens is hosting a, a holiday party this uh, Saturday, December 7th, called Lit for the Holidays. Uh, you can get tickets on their Eventbrite page or search for it on Facebook. Oh, and, you, and you guys, I'm reading their event right, and it's like so up our alley. I have another holiday party, so I can't go. But they say, once a party pad, always a party pad. And for <laughs> those who don't know, the George Reed House actually has, um, the basement is set up like a 1920s speakeasy because that's how it was used in the 1920s. Um, so you can go party at the George Reed House, and they want to make sure people do not drink and drive. So they're going to run a $6 round-trip shuttle service from Wilmington. You could go um, at Rodney Square, where you hop on, or Wilmington Train Station. And then you can head right down to Newcastle for the event. Yeah. So $6 cheaper than an Uber than to get to Newcastle. So enjoy. And that we're, the Mill Summit's helping to sponsor that uh, shuttle. So. Yes, so um, we hope you guys will make it out to at least a few of all of the events coming up this month and um, get a chance if you have never been to a Mill Summit event or um, a Dar Delaware Charity Challenge event, you guys will check those out too. So um, enjoy the holidays and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Della Darling Podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Della Darling Pod on Instagram and Twitter and The Della Darling on Facebook.